3: Chumba. Chumba Casino.com. No purchas, overlaw. 80 plus Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper?
0: No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Hey, everybody. What's going on? Josh Wigler here with a very special edition of the Mrs. Davis podcast here on Post Show Recaps. Of course, I'm joined here as always by Mike and Joe. Hi, Mike.
4: Hello, don't focus on me, we have a much bigger guest to talk to. Hi Joe, how are you?
2: I'm good. As I've been telling everybody, Jesus Christ is my best friend on Instagram now, so I'm great.
1: Yes. Well, it is a very exciting time here on Post Show Recaps where we can say Jesus is on the podcast. We are so excited to welcome this guy in. If you've been watching Mrs. Davis, then he is an essential part of why you have been enjoying that show. He was at the center of the first real smoke coming out of my ears level twist of this show that he is indeed the J C joining us here on the Mrs. Davis podcast. It's the great Andy McQueen. Andy, thank you so much for swinging through.
5: Oh, thanks for having me. Like I said, I'm a big fan. So this is exciting for me.
1: This is wild to us. Yeah, we were, we did it, the, 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 pre-podcast was lit. We had a lot of fun <laughs> stuff to talk about in the pre-podcast. And I think one of the things that we're all having kind of like a pinch me moment of like, okay, here we are with, with Jay Uh, and secretly you're like, oh, here I am with the people, the the people who always get it wrong, but are kind of funny about it on the podcast I listen to every week.
5: Great theories all around, though.
4: (laughs) That that says a lot coming from you, considering that, again, you were the source of many a theory. I mean, we should, you know, be completely masked down. You are coming to us from the restaurant. So there is a chance that an order might come in for a falafel. So you may be indisposed, or if someone just mentions your name, I think, unfortunately, you'll have to be called away. (laughs)
5: Well, this is great. I mean, it's so cool to see and hear uh, all the theories and also, you know, um, the flip being or the switch being flipped with uh, episodes one to four and now from five till here we are. Uh, I think we've made some believers out of uh, of you, hopefully. For sure. Yeah,
1: I think uh, very, very clearly Uh, we're. We do believe. We believe. We believe in the power <laughs> of Mrs. Davis at the very least as a TV entity. If not, I mean, we are still Jews the three of us, I think yes. at the end of the day. Uh so that is still ongoing. That's an ongoing development for the three of us as podcasters,
0: but
5: you, you know what? You know what's interesting I find it's so fun, it's so great. I mean, your your view of the first four episodes, I think Joe you had this you as well, like we weren't sure if we could trust Jay or not, and that was never something that really crossed my mind. Mm. Um, and then watching it again, and then going into five, and that scene, mind you, it's, you know, at the top of the show, it, it really does get across what it needs to get across. And I never thought of it in a way of people who, you know, were raised uh, religious, uh, with religious beliefs, uh, would have a certain opinion, obviously, of Jay and I know some people obviously do so it's cool because I didn't grow up religious so it's it's very interesting to see how that affects people's view of Jay and then how they've changed through the course of the season whether they believe him or not or whether you know what whatever comes of that you know it's it's uh it's definitely very cool to listen to how you all have talked about uh, this character and the show obviously as a whole
4: well then obviously we have to rewind to months and months ago Before we even knew about this show and before you even know, I think, about Jay's true identity, because I know you said in other interviews, right, that you were obviously not aware of the big twist when you were auditioning for Mrs. Davis. What was the extent of information you were given? I'm always curious with these types of roles. Like, what was the listing like for this type of part?
5: Um, Jay was listed as uh, a cook, a handler, a love interest to Simone. A confidant, uh, but never listed as obviously Jesus. Um, two sides were given to two scenes, but um, obviously, like you know, I, I said before, I was a big fan of Lost. So I seen Damon's name all- attached to it. Uh, I kind of figured there was something bigger at play, wasn't sure what it was, but I always read it as kind of uh, Jacob or the man in black. You know, I, ca- I had that feeling that it My was. My heart
1: is soaring uh... right now. Yes.
5: That's that's the feeling I had of, of what I was given with the side. So I was like, oh, there's something happening here that is obviously um, important. And it wasn't until like five uh, five months later, I think, uh, when I got a call back out of nowhere that I was told who he was. Um, I was given uh, three scenes, one dummy scene, which was such a great scene that Tara and Damon wrote um, and to uh, the first two episodes and. Uh, reading those first two episodes, it was obviously a wild ride, and I laughed my ass off. I mean, I, I had such a great time reading it. Um, and also, Tara and Damon and the rest of the writers who are a part of this beautiful project—they bring such life to these characters. And um, you know, we are nothing without them. Yeah. So, shout out to the writers for sure. Oh, yeah.
4: Oh yeah.
2: Can I ask? Uh, were you? Did you test with Betty Gilpin? Did you know? Was she already cast? Like, how did that come about?
5: Yes, so I did the call back, um, and that was already obviously wild. Damon, uh, Damon's face on the screen, just like this right now. Um, and then after that, you know, uh, we uh, got a call to say that we we're going to do a chem read with Betty on uh, two days later. So then we did a chem read, and uh, you know, we got along so well, and we did it on Zoom. And you would think that those things would be tough. And obviously, most of the time, I would say that they, they, I, I could see how they could be, but I mean, it's a testament always. I give all the kudos and love to Betty Gilpin. She is, it was the greatest experience of my life and she is such a phenomenal, phenomenal actress. Yeah,
1: what was sort of the uh, the first entry point to developing that dynamic out between Jay and Simone? Do you can you like take us through some of those first times interacting I, with Betty in character?
5: Oh yeah, so I got the job in May, but I didn't start shooting until August, mm. so I had a lot of time to just like be riddled with anxiety and just be like, you know, it's fun to get the job, you get the call, you get excited then you got the job and then it's like oh my god i, I don't know what's going to happen i don't know how this is going to go uh, there's that um, G-
4: that's a, there's that Jewish part of Jesus yes, <laughs> that's it that's it, that's it. <laughs> and
5: and you know the first day uh i was so nervous because we were finding things as we went along and we had to sort of you know we were on this beautiful stage Warner brothers and and you know they had built this beautiful restaurant and you know as we went along We sort of found these little moments between the two of them um, because obviously Betty's energy is so infectious. It's like you just want to match it. But as Jay, he's got to be completely, you know, level headed, chill and kind of take that all in and sort of not be able to let it uh, phase him. So, you know, as we went along, luckily, I got to shoot in order for the most part. Okay, so, so that really, really, really made a big difference. Um, but I can't say that I wasn't nervous every day going to work because this was like, this is was my dream. It's I, I, like I said, 13 years ago, loss ended, and I never could have thought that like, I would be, you know, attached to a project that was this incredible.
1: Yeah, so you well, were a you were a big Lost fan. Uh, you were telling us before the podcast yeah. that you were watching it when it, when it was on. So the possibility of uh, getting to speak words at least partly written by Damon Lindelof must have been pretty exciting.
5: Oh, absolutely, and and both Dave, Damon and Tara, what they bring to the show, it's just it's so beautifully written. It's so uh, obviously mm-hmm. the characters are so they're just they're, they just have so much life in them and. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy. Cause it, it seems like it's always a pinch me moment, even doing this right now, it's always this idea. It's like, you, you think you always want these things. You never know they're going to come. And like, I looked at my phone before my wife and I moved from Toronto to New York, December of 2021 right before this audition came in. And right before it came in, I snapped a picture of Saeed Jara in my phone. I don't know how I just saw it the other day and I, I think it was a Patrick Somerville connection because I did station eleven and I was like, right. oh, I'm so <clears> close <throat> to to this other thing too. Um, so yeah, it's uh <laughs> sorry, I'm talking in circles because so this is so exciting, but uh it, no, it is please. it is um it's a it was a great experience to to be a part of all of that.
4: Now I would imagine part of those mounting anxieties in the interim before we actually got on that set was the name that you were playing. And I would imagine on one hand you're like let me consult as much biblical text as I can or adaptations of the character to see like what I can bring in. And on the other hand, you're probably thinking, no, this is supposed to be a very different type of character than any adaptation we've seen before. How much did you try to balance a lot of, you know, 2000 years, basically a past precedent when it came to the character of Jesus versus yours and Damon's and Tara's interpretation of him.
5: I think, you know, I was saying this in the callback that, I think the more I tried to attach myself to the idea of what he should sound like or what he should be like, the the less uh, the less of a human he was, uh, or my interpretation would only allow me to go so far. So it became just uh, it seemed like a parody if I were to play it in a certain way. So I think uh, how I approached it was you know just finding the human being in there and honoring the text because. What was on the page was again, like we say, from one to four, then you have five, one scene. Jay is limited in his, in his, you know, in how much he's in. But every time we are in the falafel, it is, there is, there is, uh, it's charged.
2: Speaking of that, how early on in the process did you know what or who was behind the door in the falafel shop?
5: Mm. Uh, At the beginning.
4: Really? Oh, good. Okay. You got, you're on those rare, Damon Lindelof actors who got told at the beginning like what the <laughs> entire path was. Yeah, oh, character. that's that's right.
5: That was my note for today to talk about context. If I was given any, because you talked about this on first seven. Yeah. I, I was given uh content I was given all the scripts. So I got to read them as we Amazing. went along. Um, and also on my first day meeting Tara, uh or not my first day, but my first day meeting Betty and uh doing a rehearsal with Owen Harris, the the direct our director, um, I was given um the first episode and the last episode. And that's all I'll say.
1: Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So they gave you the first and the last. And so you were able to kind of shape Jay's arc knowing, knowing that point, you had something to to aim for as, as an actor. How important is that for, for you? That's not always the way that it works in the realm of television, obviously.
5: Oh, I was saying this to Tara the other day. Um, because she was so kind and kind enough to allow me to have you be privy to that information, it allowed for a lot. I mean, we've all seen Seven now, so we can talk about it. Mm. But knowing that specific fact creates the confusion in the viewer for you guys when you're not sure if you should trust him or not. But at the end of the day, all he wants is not for her to do this thing. And that's his reasoning for it, because as Mary has described to Simone, it, it It is his tether. So, you know, having something to fight for from the beginning allowed for there to be even more subtext to what we were doing. And it allowed for, like, Simone has no clue. Jay knows. And so it's one of those things where it's that constant fight and that inner battle or that inner struggle that allows for the scenes to, like, have this different life to them where you're not quite sure if you should trust them or not because you're not quite sure why he's being a child or why he's being controlling or why when she says in episode four, like the ladies in the, in the suits are just down the hall. I could get it right now. It's like it allowed for me to like hold on to those moments and find more things within them. So that I always said, I always asked, Owen, I was like, or Alethea or Fred, I was like, how much Jesus is too much Jesus? Does he lie? How does it look when he lies? What happens when he does? So, you know, it was again, like, you know, to your point, we're, crafting this character that we've never seen in this specific iteration but every time we see it it's it's Simone and Jay and it's there's there's just so much underneath it that makes it feel like um like it's alive in another way.
4: Can you talk about the restaurant set a little bit because for such a sprawling show you are one of these characters that is kind of conscripted to being in this one location and it almost reminds me a bit of almost theater where you have to revolve around this one set that you are essentially trapped in as your character. did you find yourself like connecting more with the place the more you ended up working on it that's, to the point where you, by the time you ended it ended up actually feeling like your true property?
5: That's a great question. Yes, absolutely. It felt like a play. It felt like we were going to work and we were doing Betty and I were doing a play um and and that's what made it so much more powerful for us, I think as well. You know, having lived all of these moments in the falafel shop in different parts of it um was was fascinating and it did create um it did create a different inner life, I'd say. Cause I shot eight days. And so that's it. Yeah. Whoa. Wow. Wow. Eight
1: days and out? Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, that's Move incredible. over, Menorah. We found a new
4: eight-day miracle. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's in- that's incredible <laughs>
1: to pack so much character into uh, such a short period of time. Um, was that an exciting prospect, or was this a daunting prospect that you've got just a bit over a week to really capture the essence of this man?
5: I think the more I let it, uh, the more I thought about it being daunting, the more it became daunting. I think the more I just mm-hmm. realized that it was about, again, This is like one of those specific circumstances where Betty and I, and you know, again, testament to Betty Gilpin, it's like you both are getting. It takes two to tango. It's exactly why I signed up to be an actor. It's like every time the camera would, or it would, the action would be called. Betty and I, she was always finding something different, and I, and because of that, you're forced to be present and also play along the same, play the same game. So it. Once, you let your, once I let myself sort of uh, be present to that, I was no longer uh, worried. I just wanted to do the best that I could do to honor the writers, the, the text that they wrote. But again, like, like we were talking about, limited scenes means that like every time we're in the falafel, it has to pack some sort of punch.
4: Is that how you referred to the restaurant? Like your own internal way was called the falafel or is that the official name of the restaurant? We just don't realize it.
5: I think we all just started calling it fal- falafel. I think we just, you said falafel, like we're going to, we're going to falafel today or falafel scene. First episode is great. Or, you know, like, it. and, and also uh, back to that. Also the first episode all was shot except for the two scenes that I was in. So I was coming in uh, and having to shoot those scenes and then they added it to the, to the pilot. So, I mean, there was a lot of other pressures because this is all very brand new to me in this regard, like this, something of this size, but, uh, but yeah, it was, that, that was, uh, it's crazy to think it was, it was a wild. It was a wild ride coming in and like doing the pilot and then putting it together and then presenting it to the studio.
1: Well, yeah, of course. Also, the fact that while um, this is, you know, a it's it's untested waters. Mrs. Davis isn't isn't based on existing IP. It's a wholly original idea. It <laughs> is as original as as it gets. And so everybody's trying to kind of, you know, find the tone of this thing. This is something that when Mike and I talked to, to Owen that we got into a bit, um, but that is a very unique pressure within this ecosystem that you're coming in and the vibe of the pilot and the vibe of the look of the show. So much is established as you're as you're stepping up. So did you feel like you were walking into kind of a realized world already when you showed up to Falafel for the first
5: time. I did, but I always, to be honest with you, felt like I was living in a totally different show. Yeah. Because uh, to me, I was always telling Tara and I would talk about it. I-, I felt like it was like Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy and like the Before Sunset, you know, <laughs> you know? like I just feel like I was in a totally different world Um I and believe that's
4: I, how we measured time, right? Before sunset and after yeah, sunset. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and well, to be fair, though, I mean, I do feel like whenever Simone stops in to visit you, like, it did feel like a passage of time. You know, there are occasions where we saw Jay after getting punched in the face. We saw Jay in the midst of, you know, fixing the cracking foundation of the restaurant. So it was almost functioning like those check-ins, which was, I know, part of that listing to begin with for the character.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that made it, uh, made There was less pressure on me to obviously have what was happening outside of it um, inform what I was doing. Because as we learn in six, I only know what happens in falafel. So all of those little beats and moments allowed for, you know, uh, playable actions, I I guess I'd say.
2: I like to think of Mrs. Davis as the leftovers if it was a comedy. Because... (laughs) At its core, it's also deeply profound. Despite the wackiness, the zaniness mm-hmm. of a lot of this show, there's a lot to ponder. It's actually pretty deep. Um, and you seem to be drawn to that material, correct me if I'm wrong, but Station Eleven, I also found very deep and profound. And, you know, were you drawn to this, not just because of the lost statement and love of it all, but <laughs> because of the the theme. I mean, there's there's a lot of depth behind the humor.
5: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. This this is like th- this is the world I love to play in. I mean, obviously, Station Eleven as well is such a beautifully done show. And this show, I mean, now with Seven. Did you ever see that coming?
4: No. And, in and, many ways, no. Yeah.
5: And, <laughs> and, and and how it's such a beautiful scene between Shore and Betty. And it's I, I would I, I could never imagine because the cut that I saw It was green screened, uh, not the cave, but the water. So seeing it all uh, come to life and be mixed and colored, it's it's goosebumps. You just get goosebumps because because the 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 lore that is um, is told to Simone in seven, it just sets up something so, so great.
4: Yeah, from that perspective, Simone comes to you and Betty as well, like. Her mind is in so many different places, and again, I find it so interesting that you filmed it for an entire streak. Because from Betty's perspective, she is Desmond Hume bopping through time back and in- forth. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. Done. As her not scene partner, yeah, exactly. <laughs> not Penny's boat. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. maybe Matilda was the one who bought that boat. Uh, but not Penny's <laughs>
2: whale. Sorry. There you- but
4: when it comes to being her scene partner, you know, how were you attempting to try to be that constant? I suppose to be that one to try to oh, ground her probably where there's so many things going through her head at once trying to figure out like, okay, in this one I was wearing the life vest because I was on the Island at the time.
5: She is so good at remembering like where she's coming from and where she's going to, um, you know, with like five, the, the life, the, the life jacket and the glasses, like she was, there's this moment where she's like, what if I put the glasses over that, like over top. And, and it was just one of those moments where, it, it, it's it's such a beautiful thing to exist in a show like this where like you can have this really heightened drama and then Betty squeaks or Simone squeaks through with her life jacket and it completely cuts the tension and we're, we're living, it, it's ob- obviously, it's Jay and Simone, but it just feels like their relationship is so strong uh, whenever they're in falafel that it just creates this different, uh, I guess, uh, chemistry for the rest of the show. So your head is a cup.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, bowl. Yeah, so your head is a bowl. What was your reaction
5: to this? This is a mind-blowing twist. I get. I can't say that I'm surprised by any of this because I was. <laughs> I can't. I can't say that I'm surprised. I was reading the scripts. I mean, we've got the constipator and many other things that are in this. You know, this this fun world, and like I said. Even when I didn't know something was uh something was up when I got the first audition, I was ready to play in that world as, as best that I could. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Did they do any like uh, head casts, Andy? Did they fashion? No, the that ball would Grail have been way too on big. Your
5: head? <laughs> oh, no. That ball would have been huge. <laughs> that would have been a salad bowl. It's the big the big gulp of Holy Grails. <laughs> I
2: I know you obviously when we would never ask you to spoil anything about the finale, which we have not seen yet of season one of Mrs. Davis. But did you theorize along the way? I mean, as someone who obviously enjoyed Lost theorizing and other things, um, did you fill in some blanks that maybe weren't on the page? And also, we've only seen you in Falafel. Did you sneak out and see other sets when you were there and not filming? Do you know what
4: Jake McDordan looks like? <laughs> <laughs>
5: um, I didn't see um much, uh, but also, uh, I was theorizing a lot along the way, and a lot more theories. Uh, there are a lot more theories that one could have after next week. So okay i I really I just can't wait for I can't wait to hear the podcast next week when you guys watch the finale. This is gonna be awesome. Well, it's gonna be awesome.
1: W- one of the things that I definitely wanted to to check in with you on is I think, you know, we we talked a bit about how like we got onto the podcast sometimes like, I don't know. we should be trusting Jesus Christ. I don't know if, the, if Jesus is on the level or not. Uh, and I think that there have been a lot of moments throughout the show where we've had doubts about certain characters, we've had doubts about the nature of the reality that this show exists in from time to time. And it is so intrinsically uh, linked. I think those types of questions, um, both with faith, which is at the heart of Mrs. Davis, obviously, uh, as well as where we are with tech and technology and emerging technology and AI, which is such a central conversation that's happening with the writer strike right now for that to be something that is such a seminal part of Mrs. Davis. When you go online and you think that you're reading facts, but maybe you're just reading what the algorithm wants you to read. So I wonder how this show and engaging this show um, interacted with you as far as this being, yes, a very big, bold swing of a show, but also like deeply contemporary in its own way, touching on things that are vital to the conversation right now.
5: Yeah. I mean, you talk about doubts and I mean, we all have doubts with regards to our own like usage of technology or, 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 or some with their, uh, you know, doubt in their faith or whatever it may be. But I feel like the show really taps into that idea that it's okay to have doubts. It's okay to not trust characters. It's okay to be, you know, wondering if Jay is telling the truth or not. It's, it's just it's it's laying it all out there for people to interpret to have these discussions. It was literally written into the script they were sometimes in parentheses. We'll leave this to the the deep dark reddit threads to discuss. So uh-huh. I love <laughs> I love I love that that's I love that that's the conversation. I love that you can have uh, podcasts that are longer than the episodes having fun theorizing what's going on because again, like lost was, it was one of these things or like any, any kind of show in this same, you know uh, it it creates conversation. And I think that's so important. Uh, Whether or not you trust Jay, whether or not you, you, or you do, or you don't, it doesn't, doesn't matter. I guess you can kind of take whatever you want from your own life and how you, you know, how you use technology or how you are with religion to sort of ask those questions for yourself. And I think a lot of that is happening now too. And I, it's funny because sometimes a friend just messaged me and, Uh, he said that his wife views her relationship with Jesus the way that it's depicted in the show. Mm. Obviously, you know, with how a personal connection is had. Um, So I think that's all, it's just very cool. And, you know, the more that people watch the show, the more conversations will be had, and that's a really cool thing.
4: What about from your own perspective? You know, obviously you had talked about how you had obviously a different religious upbringing. You mentioned your wife beforehand. I mean, looking at this character, which is obviously done... In a very ridiculous fashion, a very ridiculous show. But to Joe's point, speaks to a lot of those underlying themes. Are you looking at things like love and faith and technology differently personally after participating in Mrs. Davis?
5: Oh, definitely. I mean, chat GPT is scary. The, the things that it can do and the things that are happening right now with that with technology are, are, are obviously wasn't happening. They weren't happening when we were doing the show. And now it's it's excelling. It's at such a rapid pace. Uh, it's 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 quite scary. And also with faith, uh, you know, it's it's really really cool how Tara set out to you know showcase that you know Simone is actually married to G- Jesus Christ, and we get to see that. It really makes me think. Yes, at the same time, like having a deep connection to your faith like that is really uh, it's moving. I think.
1: Andy, I think we would all be remiss if we let you go without asking you what was your favorite episode of Lost and who is your favorite Lost
5: <laughs> Oh my. Oh. oh no pressure. Favorite episode. I mean, of you do have a, no, you know, I have a, can't I, pa- I can't can I come back next week? Yes. I, I,
4: yeah, do you want to come invitation. back every week? If, if or... you want to
5: if you want to talk after the finale, then I can I can I can talk more about that. I can answer that question. Listen, oh, unlike whoa. unlike
4: your mother, our door's always open. So yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> your your aunt your answer to the
1: question about your favorite lost episode, you can't say until after we've watched the Mrs.
5: Davis finale. Yeah, I, I feel like I don't want to say anything too much. Um, I-, I love that I
1: answer. More mystery. Uh, well, we will knock on the door of uh yourself. Uh, the the we'll talk to Mary herself. We'll get permission. Uh, and we'll <laughs> we'll see if we can't get you back on the line to talk through the whole show once we have a chance to to watch the finale. And I'm sure our listeners are gonna have a million questions as well.
5: I would love to, guys. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Incredible, Andy. Thanks so much Thank for swinging you. through. We yeah, appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care. All right. You too. You bye too. Bye. <laughs>